This is a Triple J podcast. Pip, you're a long-term relationship girly, aren't you? Oh, yeah, big time. You've lived with multiple partners, right? Yeah, I love living with people, you know, nesting, taking complete control of the interior design of the place. It's what I do. Well, you didn't realise this and for anyone listening, you probably don't realise this either, but if you've been living together for two or more years, legally you're actually considered de facto, which basically means if you split up, your ex is entitled to your savings, your assets, so much of your stuff, even your super. I wish I had this podcast earlier. So we know that over lockdowns and COVID in the past three years, a lot of you told us that you moved into places with your partner, you know, whether that was just out of convenience or to save money or because you were going to be torn apart. Oh, Cozzy lives, babe. People are still doing it now. But yeah, newsflash, if you've been living together for two or more years, you're legally considered de facto, which means if you split up, your ex could be entitled to your shit. And in this episode, we're going to give you the full breakdown on this because so many of you could be affected. So we're going to find out exactly how it happens, like how you consider de facto, and also how to protect yourself. Yeah, we put it up on our Instagram to do a bit of a vibe check with you and see if people have gone through a de facto separation and there were heaps of stories like this. We've broken up after two years and three months of living together and we end up getting back together again for sort of 10 months later sort of thing um, for a bit but weren't living together so it was no longer a de facto relationship but in that time COVID happened um, where we're living house prices had gone up Um, we'd sort of semi bought a house together but not together Um, so was in my name was um, funded by by me primarily Um, and then yeah she left the relationship again and, and that's when her lawyers contacted me. Well, so she went everything. So shares, super, um, tried to put a value on the business, the car that I bought after we'd broken up, like I'm in a de facto relationship, motorbikes, um, threatened family money, but didn't, you know, it was, you know, her thing was, oh, I'll be kind and I won't go for your family money. Um, so yeah, it was interesting, but ultimately just wanted a cut of the house. Yeah. She wanted a percentage. She didn't ask for the whole thing or half. She just wanted what she thought was a reasonable percentage. She wasn't fully successful. She got, she got some money, but not anywhere near what she was asking for. By the way, we also want to say that the stories you're going to hear in this episode are listeners who reached out with their personal situations and wanted to share their individual experiences. They tell us details about their partnership, the separations, But what you need to be aware of is you won't be hearing the partner side of the story. So again, just keep that in mind. Now, of course, we couldn't do this app without getting the legal top dog in. We're talking about Christina Salvo. She's here to help and she's the founder and CEO of Simple Separation and a family law mediator. I think it pretty much goes out saying, right, Pip, that Christina is an absolute pro. She's been doing this for years and can speak at length to this topic. But what you're hearing here is not legal advice for your specific case. Like if you're going through this or you're worried about your specific situation. Yeah, every case is obviously individual and, you know, you're going to hear these stories with lots of different nuances and caveats. So, yeah, keep that in mind. We'll have resources for you at the end as well. Right. So we've got the housekeeping out of the way. Yeah. Let's start off with the absolute basics. What is de facto? A de facto relationship is when two parties live together and they're not married. They live together on a genuine domestic basis. You need to be living together for two years 
unless you've had a child together earlier or if you've both bought a property together. So if you've made a significant contribution to a, a property, then you'll be regarded de facto much earlier uh, or if you've registered your relationship as a de facto. And this doesn't matter about your age gap, by the way, or your age or your sexuality. It is cut and dry a relationship where it's just a couple living together for two or more years. Yeah, but like Christina said, if you're living together and someone falls pregnant and they give birth, you don't have to live together for more than two years for your shit to be up for grabs. And we actually spoke to somebody who'd been caught out with one of these clauses. Yeah, sure. So we were together for about three months before she actually ended up pregnant. And we split just before the two-year mark, but because we had a kid, um, that uh, the two-year thing doesn't matter. She moved out while I was at work, got her parents to come and take everything. And then uh, a few days later, I just got a call from a family mediation centre saying that she'd tried to lodge a court thing. Um, so I turned up to the media. I obviously tried to communicate with her, but she didn't want to communicate and wanted to go through them. So I turned up to that meeting and she hit me with all these demands about money and assets and things like that. And I'd, I'm actually about eight, nine years older than her. So I had quite a lot more in super and kind of more established with a house and all that sort of thing. And, uh, and yeah, so we went through the mediation process. She basically walked away with, I think it was about $75,000 worth of my money and assets at the end of the day, um, which was a pretty expensive short-term relationship. But it's not just hard cash. How much is on the table can vary from relationship to relationship because of things like different earnings, previous financial inheritance. Yeah, so we asked Christina about this. What exactly, assets-wise, are up for grabs? So when you separate, whether you are a de facto or whether you're a married couple, it's property division, uh, children's arrangements is treated the same. Okay, so so in terms of a separation, what generally happens is that they look at the couple's joint assets, even if they're in your own name or whether you're on, on title together, they look at all the assets of the relationship. That could be, for example, your superannuation, any cash you have in the bank, any shares, and any assets that you've had even before you got together. So everything's on the table. Everything is on the table. <laughs> I think I'm the most shook by super. Yeah, I actually didn't know that going into this episode. I didn't and... know any of this going into this episode. I genuinely uh, yeah. didn't know any of this. And so for me, I'm just like, oh, my God. I mean, I don't have much to lose, but I, my, I've i got super. I mean, we've been working for many years. So yeah. there's, there's a chunk of money there. So Sitting there that I could lose potentially. For sure. So we know what's on the table, but how do you actually work out how much your partner is entitled to? Like, do you just split it down the middle? Not necessarily half. So what actually happens is the first step is to work out what is in the property pool. So all the assets and all the liabilities. And then essentially to work out what is a fair entitlement to the parties, there's a number of considerations that are taken into account. And that can be, for example, what did you both start with? Uh, what are the incomes? What are the ages of the parties? Do you have a child? What are the future needs? So there's a whole host of different considerations. But essentially, if you do separate, everything's on the table. So you are at risk of losing some of the assets that you had prior to relationship. Scary stuff. Honestly, terrifying. But also, how is this different to a marriage? It feels kind of the same. It's not. Christina said it's not at all. It's literally just a certificate. Certificate that is the difference. 
So the difference is, is that if you get married, let's say within the two-year mark, it doesn't matter. There's no time restraint in terms of in terms of a separation and what, what the other party can claim. So if you've been together for a year, then potentially you still your assets are on the table. Uh, whereas there's a two-year restriction when it comes to de facto. Essentially, property, children's arrangements, child support is all dealt with exactly the same, whether you're married or whether you're in de facto. Uh, the only difference is that you have a, a marriage certificate and you'll need to uh, to obtain a divorce. So a divorce application, that's the final step. Uh, that's, you know, pretty much a piece of paper, really. So you know, in terms of financial and children, everything is dealt with the same. Now, before we chatted to Christina, we put a call out on our Instagram, at Triple Death Hookup. Follow us obviously, please, um, about this specific topic because we wanted to get your questions to her directly and you had so many. Yeah, there was a huge amount. So we're going to try and answer just a few in this episode. Now, the first one comes from Emma and she asked, do I have any rights over the items I owned prior to entering into the relationship? Depending on the length of the relationship, there are a host of different considerations. If you're in a short-term relationship, generally, what you earned or what you owned previously is considered a lot more in favour of the person who owned it. If you're in a 25-year relationship, generally that dilutes in importance and the the property pool, it really doesn't matter what you started with. It's on the, on the, the, the length of the relationship. Mason DM'd us, I wanted to know, I own a house. Am I protected if I split up with my partner who lives with me? So... Even if one party moves out of the family home or out of the property, that property, if it's owned between the parties, even if it's in only one person's name, is still still forms part of the settlement or um, part of the property division. So even if you move out, doesn't mean that you have less claim to that property, even if you're not on the paperwork. So one party may own a property and it's in their name, but both parties have been contributing to the mortgage. Yeah, so irrespective of whether you're on the title or not, it is still part of the property settlement. Tia also wanted to know what happens to someone's inheritance they had before the relationship and what if you gain that inheritance during the relationship? If you received an inheritance prior to the relationship, generally you will put that money somewhere. So you'll probably put it into a property or you have it as cash. That still forms part of your property settlement because it's an asset now, it will be taken into consideration again as to when you received it, um, how long you've been in the relationship, are there children? So there's a whole host of factors that are taken into account to work out whether that inheritance, how much of that um, is at stake. So again, it does depend on a number of factors. But yes, potentially, uh, you know, if you're in, if you're together, for example, 25 years, again, it dilutes in importance and the inheritance uh, generally will just go into the property pool. And both Pip and I wanted to know this because we are obsessed with our pets. We love them. <laughs> but a lot of you asked us too, including Gemma and Dustin, who wanted to know, what are your rights when it comes to having a shared pet? That is actually dealt with in a property settlement, would you believe? Yeah. So in an actual financial agreement, the pets are dealt with. So who's going to uh, have custody of the pet and who will be looking after the pet and paying for the pet? So it's actually property division, an asset rather than in a child's parenting plan, not part of a child support agreement. It actually forms part of a property division. 
Hugo also got in touch asking, how long do you have post the breakup to make a claim? So if you have separated as a de facto, you have two years to make a claim. Half that date, you're not, uh, you don't qualify necessarily to make a claim. And if you do, you'll need to prove it in court, which is a very costly exercise. So, you know, if you are separating, you need to jump on it very early. Uh, as opposed to if you're married, um, you have an indefinite period until you actually finalise that divorce application. Let's say you're hearing this and you're like, I've never had a legal team. I've never been to court. I have no idea how this entitlement stuff works. Me. Like, no, actually. It actually makes me so stressed. I'm trying to think of friends that are lawyers in my group to be like, help. Seriously, you're like, take everything at this point because I just won't. Yeah, I'm like, don't want to deal with it's it. It's too stressful. <laughs> um, Christina actually has some pointers on what happens next. So how this process works and how they make it. A fair financial settlement, which is what they call the legal term, um, which is, you know, something that Andrew asked us about. The first step to working out a fair financial settlement is to work out what is on the table, what is putting together a balance sheet, if you like, you know, what are the assets and what are the liabilities combined, irrespective of whether it's in one party's name or, or both. So once you determine what is the financial position, for example, if there's a million dollars of assets and $500,000 of liabilities, there's about a $500,000 net position, okay? So that's the first step is to determine what is in the balance sheet. After that, it's really looking at what is what are the contributions of the parties? So what did the parties contribute financially to that pool of assets and what did they contribute non-financially? So, for example, were they doing the domestic duties? Were they caring for the kids? So non-financial contributions are just as important as financial contributions. So that's taken into account. Um, it's also the future needs of the parties. Are there any age difference, ma massive age gaps? Uh, are there any health-related issues? And really, where are the children going to be living? Because the person who's going to be primarily looking after the children will, will have greater future needs. So all of those different considerations are weighed up and adjustments are made to work out what is the fair division, asset division range. Jace also asked a question that came through heaps. What if someone cheated in the relationship? Does that affect how much they can take from you? No, there's no fault. There's, it's, there's, they don't look at the fault of the, of the parties when they separate. It, it essentially, it's, you know, really looking at just what is, what are the children's arrangements and, and what is in the best interest of those children and what is the, the property settlement and the child support. So, you know, it doesn't matter what happened. It's now how do we move forward? We actually spoke to someone about this situation. It was a pretty complex relationship where there was a lot of cheating, coercion, abuse happened, and this person's partner had a lot of mental health issues. But yeah, despite it all, they still went through arbitration and she came out the other side with far less than she started the relationship with. And just a heads up before we hit play on this, just a bit of a content warning. If this brings up anything for you, we will have some resources for you in our show notes. So I met my um, previous partner online, um, as is often the case these days. And we lived in completely different cities. We took things pretty slowly to start off with. I would see him ad hoc. So, you know, it took a couple of hours to drive uh, to each other's location. Anyway, fast forward about 12 months, we moved in together. He essentially came into our relationship with nothing and again, being a really trusting person. Um, I let him move into my home. I opened my doors. I supported him financially to find a new job, relocate, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just 
there was just something niggling that something wasn't quite right. I confronted him on a couple of different occasions to say, um, you know, I think that you perhaps are being unfaithful, that you're seeing other partners, that you're lying to me. Um, and on every single occasion, he would just deflect it back to me and say that I was crazy. Um, we ended up moving uh, to a different town where he was from. He started to get really, really manipulative in terms of his behaviour and his words and um, what he wanted to do. And he ended up, I suppose, for want of a better word, trapping me into having um, a child with him. I had been really clear with him that I didn't really want a family, that I had already felt like my life was pretty complete. Um, but again, he'd use really gaslighting terms to say that, you know, if we don't have a child together, we're not a family. Um, and anything I would say, um, whether it was, you know, I don't feel like comfortable, I feel like my work life is really taking off, he would then turn that back around on me. And in the end, I just had to say to him, you know, we are no longer together. And I had to kick him out of my house. Um, he then got a legal team and that I held up proceedings. Um, what ended up happening, we went to court, but essentially he got more than half of my assets. Um, I had to sell one of my properties. I've mortgaged my other one to the hilt. Um, his words all along was, you have to pay me to get rid of me. Um, but essentially that's the way that it went down in a nutshell. Okay, I'm a little bit freaked out. <laughs> Thought I knew something about de facto. Apparently I don't. Um, so maybe you're hearing this and you're like me, you're thinking, how can you protect yourself and your things like your car and your property and your sweet, beautiful savings and your gorgeous little super fund? Well, Christina says, and it sounds like such a like, I don't know, it sounds like a dry word. It sounds like a an older person word. I don't know why. It just doesn't sound relevant to the situation. But it is all about a prenup. It's giving Kardashian. It's giving celebrity. <laughs> Sign a prenup. Sign the NDA. <laughs> I highly recommend that people consider uh, entering into a financial agreement in contemplation of moving together or, or getting married. And we, we call that a financial agreement. It used to be called a binding financial agreement. So another term for it is prenup. So a prenuptial agreement, this is a financial agreement that's going to set out how the assets and the relationship are going to be dealt with in the event that you separate. So, for example, if you come to the relationship with a property, some superannuation and some cash, you may decide that you would like to uh, quarantine those assets or have them off the table in the event that you separate. So you can do that. So both parties can basically set out an agreement that they wish to keep all their current assets off the table. So then you're protected from any assets that you brought to the relationship. Anything you move forward, anything that you accumulate together moving forward, well, that will be dealt with a in a financial settlement. Here's the thing. You never think this is going to happen to you, right? Mm. I'm fully like glass half full when it comes to like this. I'm like, it's all love, babe. It always is all love. You know, until it's not. If you are somebody who has worked really hard to get financial independence, which mm. a lot of you were messaging us about, mm. to have that all taken away like you know. But that's the thing is you might be listening because I don't know anyone who's dealt with this in my friendship group. And no, I have lots of yeah. friends who live with partners and have lived with partners for years. It's so common now because he lives. But, hmm. yeah, you might just think, I just don't see my partner doing this. Like I just don't 
think that they would try and take me for my super or try and take me for my assets or whatever. And you probably would just rather avoid the conversation, right? It's just like such mm. – I can't even talk about money with just like anyone. You know what I mean? Let oh, alone it's like a it's such a horrible yeah. thing to talk about. Yeah, it's very intimate and, yeah, like I completely know what you mean. But you just never know how a person can act in a breakup. No one knows. So you've got to have the conversation. It's such a hard conversation but such an important conversation because I think you just need to look at what possibly could be a nightmare in the future. So I think it's, you know, there's a little bit of a stigma about bringing up a prenup and I think that that should be eradicated and I think we need to teach our children that it's a good conversation to have about protecting your assets so that you avoid the fight in the future because potentially you could have years of pain um, and if you've worked your, you know, worked your butt off trying to get these assets and you want to protect them and I think that's fair. So I think it's a good conversation to have. It is. It really is. It's a tough one. I don't know if I'll be having it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't I will. No, I will. No, I know. It's, <sighs> but you've got to think about it at least. At least consider it. And at least you're listening to this podcast and you know now the facts of what you do with that. It's up to you. But, yeah, maybe you're wondering where you could get a little bit more advice from because we said at the beginning this isn't legal advice, but there are plenty of places you can go to get that. There's government websites. There are There's Relationship Australia, which you can ring for free advice. There are other free services such as, you know, Mediation Victoria that offer or Relationships Australia that offer mediation models. We'll have those numbers for you as well for Relationships Australia in our show notes. You're probably listening and thinking like, okay, we'll call this and then we'll go to court. Like, no, Christina basically said that court costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So most people don't do that and go through the legal system in that way. But it's you'll probably get put onto a mediation service through Relationships Australia, um, you know, somewhere local for you or statewide or there's, I think, private services. Like Christina works for a private service which helps with mediation and splitting of assets and that kind of thing. Okay, I'm kind of like, I'm happy we got this information out into the world, mm. but please use it for good. Yeah, because Pip and I were a little wary of whether or not we did this episode, mainly because we didn't, I mean, not that anyone would be encouraged to be like, mwahaha, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to date this person with millions of dollars. and Yeah, and just take, take it for an absolute yeah, ride. Like, like, yeah, we were kind of thinking about that. But we're hoping that, like, it overrides, like, the the usefulness of it goes, like, okay, now you know how to protect yourself. But, like... It's just really important, I think, yeah. to think about these things. And it probably is very rare. But it's, like, you know, information, knowledge is power. Mm. And that's what we do here. Absolutely. And, yeah, love is love. But until <laughs> the end... Stop that. You don't know. <laughs> I know. It actually is... I'm shaking my boots. Anyway, sorry. Let's end it. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> speaking of love, we love you. <laughs> yeah, speaking of love, we love you. And um, yeah, get in touch with us anytime you have a query, question, dilemma at Triple J The Hookup, or you can email us thehookup at abc.net.au. Dave Marchese here from the Triple J Hack Team. If you love the Hookup podcast like I do, we reckon you might enjoy the Triple J Hack podcast too. Each day we bring you the news that matters to you, from the latest science on climate change to what's going on in politics and news around the world. The Hack Podcast. It's your daily fix of the news you need to know. Get it wherever you're listening now.